everyone. Welcome to the Field and Garden Podcast. I'm Jesse from the Gardener's Workshop. Today's episode features a takeover of our popular weekly live Q&A session on Instagram, normally called Ask a Flower Farmer. In this episode, we instead did an Ask a Florist session with guest host Ellen Frost of Local Color Flowers in Baltimore, Maryland. Ellen is not a flower farmer, but she's a designer who creates exclusively with flowers and foliage purchased from local growers. She's also one of our course instructors here at the Gardener's Workshop. In this Q&A, Ellen fielded many questions from flower farmers about the details of selling to florists. So please have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. First, a word about the Field and Garden podcast. Field and Garden podcast is a part of the Gardener's Workshop. The Gardener's Workshop has been telling the stories and how-tos of growing, selling, and helping others to pursue their flower-growing dreams for over 25 years. What began as one gardening enthusiast sharing her passion has grown into so much more. Over at thegardenersworkshop.com, find in print with our blogs and books and through our podcasts and videos and courses, and we have a shop full of the same tools, seeds, and supplies that you hear mentioned on our podcast. You can connect with all of these resources over at thegardenersworkshop.com. I hope you'll take some time to explore all we have for you. Welcome to the Field and Garden Podcast. Hi everyone. Today we are switching things up and having Ask a Florist Anything. Glad to be here. All right, let's get started. Who has their first question? can be about anything, um, about business, about social media, about floristry, selling to florists, designs, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, I am the owner of Local Color Flowers. We are a floral design studio located in Baltimore, Maryland. We have been in business for 15 years and sourcing locally the whole time. So our first question is, how do you get a wholesaler's license? Mm, I'm not sure. Um, we have a resale certificate from our state, from the state of Maryland. Uh, that allows us to buy flowers from farmers without tax and then sell them to customers that we sales, we charge sales tax for. So it's not exactly a wholesaler's license. I don't think that's required here. I could look more into it if you want to send me a direct message at Local Color Flowers on Instagram and I'll try to find some more information out. Uh, somebody asked, what's a florist looking for in a flower farmer? Well, we're looking for farmers that have great quality flowers, that grow varieties of flowers that we love using. And each florist is gonna be different in that way. So not all florists are the same. If you're selling to a wedding florist, they're gonna be very different than if you're selling to a retail florist or a florist that does wire service or funerals. So you really have to do your homework. Quality flowers is the number one. We just really need the best quality. We do a lot of wedding work. Uh, our customers expect really high quality products from us. So I'm just always looking for folks that have great quality. Uh, somebody said, what makes a farmer stand out or what do you look for when connecting with a local farm? Again, quality. And then also I'd say ease of 
um, ordering, ease of paying, ease of getting the flowers. So the easier it is for me to place an order with a grower, the easier it is for me to pay for an order with a grower, um, the more likely I am to buy from them. Um, just we buy from a lot of farmers. We have a limited amount of time, just like everybody. Um, and so the easier it is for us to grow, to order um, and pay and get flowers, um, the better. And then also great customer service. You know, folks that are dependable, respond to emails, have great availability lists. Um, and for those folks that are interested in selling to florists, I actually, through the Gardener's Workshop, offer a class called Selling, Preparing to Sell to Florists. And this is really um, a little bit of a boot camp to get you ready for selling to florists. We talk all about all of the different types of florists, how to approach a florist, how to price your flowers accordingly for a florist. And then we also talk about availability lists and how to sell your products to florists. So if you are a farmer that is, is considering selling to a florist, I'd say definitely check out that class. We go into a lot of depth in preparing to sell to florists. Uh, let's see, how can a flower farmer or collective encourage florists to increase their average order? I think we are just scratching the start of traditional florist weekly budget. This is a great question. So you have to assume, I guess you already know this, that you are going to be the supplemental flowers for traditional florists. So most of these florists are buying from a wholesaler and they're using you as supplement to the other, the other flowers that they're getting. So one thing you can do is the sooner you can send your availability list, I know that this is really challenging because it takes a lot to estimate the number of stems you're gonna have, but the sooner you can send it, um, or the, the further, I guess, if you're sending an availability list a week out, that should give folks enough time to make a plan. If you're sending it a day before your delivery, that doesn't give florists a lot of time to um, order and then use your stuff. So if you can, Send your availability list you know, a week in advance. I think that's great. Also, there's gonna have to be a lot of hand-holding, I think, and a lot of education to the florists about what those products are. A lot of traditional florists just are not familiar with a lot of the things that local growers are growing. So you might need to do more samples. You might have to do a little more hand-holding, a little more marketing to show them how awesome the stems are that you are providing. You can also give, maybe in the beginning, try to give some incentives like free delivery if you order more than a certain number of dollars. That way, maybe they would be incentivized to order a little bit more. Um, and then I think just talk to them, like ask, like we would love to increase our order size with you. What kind of things would help you order more? People, we have people do that all the time. And I will be frank with them, sometimes, they don't have the varieties that I need or the colors that I need or their quality just isn't where I need it to be. And so I'm not really willing to order more or maybe their delivery fee is just too high. And so you have to figure out if you're willing to make some concessions or some changes in order to get a florist to buy more from you. Is there a resource that you could suggest that would help with pricing when selling to florists? Yes, so if you haven't taken my small class preparing to sell to florists, I would say that's a great first step because we do talk in depth about pricing. Um, the other things I'd say is you can always look at the Boston Terminal Market List. The ASCFG has a pricing list. You can get on availability lists of growers in your region so you can check out what they're, what they're 
charging. You could also get a wholesale account. If you have a wholesaler in your region, you could sign up to become, um, to get an account with them and then you could see the wholesale prices there. Um, if you don't have a wholesaler in your region, you could always um, get on a list like for a, a national wholesaler like Mayesh or Delaware Valley, somewhere like that, and that would help you um, check out prices. I would love to sell my flowers to florists in Baltimore and DC, lots of beautiful flowers. Terrific. Best thing to do is start introducing yourself to florists, have a good availability list, um, and get ready to go. Somebody asked, how do you add uh, gourds to a bouquet? Um, so we use all kinds of non-floral elements in our designs, and really it's as simple as like things like succulents, gourds, tiny eggplants, any other fruits or vegetables. Really, we just use like a wooden skewer, just like you would use like to have a barbecue, a wooden skewer. And then we just put some floral glue, right? We, so we just stab the skewer right into the gourd um, and then just glue it. You could also do a wire around it too if you wanted to do that. But mostly we just use a skewer, skewer it in, glue it, and that's it. We use them all the time. Uh, let's see, favorite flowers for dried bouquets, um, status, straw flower, marigolds, um, hydrangeas, German status, all the celosias, we dry a lot of that, um, grasses, things like that. But definitely straw flower and marigolds and celosia and status are the things that keep their color for us the best. So those are the ones, everybody wants color. When you have dried stuff, you don't really, most people don't want just like white, white flowers dried. So yeah, the more color you can do, the better. Uh, popular color palettes, it really just depends. If you're talking about wedding color palettes, always, um, you know, white, blush, peach, coral, pinks, um, some burgundies, some greens, um, but really, it really depends on the region. It depends on the florist. If you're talking about what color palettes do people like at farmer's markets like, it's totally different than what wedding people are gonna like. Or if you're talking about retail, also very different. So it really just depends on um, the type of client you have as to what you know is a popular palette. Oh, great question. How to drive retail customers to our customers that are using local flowers. So I think what you're saying is you sell to a florist and you wanna help that florist get more of their end user customers into their shop to buy your flowers. Great question. Um, we do a lot of joint marketing along with our growers. So the growers will promote us, our subscriptions, our orders, our weddings. So that way people that they know and in our, that are in their community will know that they can get their flowers at our shop. So definitely um, joint marketing I think is a big deal. And then also helping your florist market the flowers by telling your story. So if a florist knows, if a florist has been to your farm, they know how your flowers are grown, they know you, um, they know your story, the more they can tell that story, I think the more the retail customers are gonna be interested. So um, working together hand in hand with the florist, I think to do some joint marketing is the best way. Uh, favorite vase shapes and why? Um, good question. I love a footed compote, just like a bowl, because it really does give like a fun, overflowing, gardeny feel. Um, we have a little hobnail jar that we use that's like a 
five inch by four inch vase that's a great starter vase. It's like short enough that we can use short stems, but wide enough it really gives you a nice shape. Um, I would say those are my two favorites. I have one kind of milk jug ceramic vase at my house that is my all-time favorite vase. And it's about eight inches tall and about five inches wide. And that just is like good for big bouquets. Um, if you bought something like at a farmer's market or something, we could just stick that in there. And I think that's a good, that's a good size. Does the presence of fruits or vegetables affect vase life when incorporated into arrangement? Good question about ethylene. We are really only using it in special event flower work. So weddings, corporate events, things like that. We're not really putting any fruits or vegetables in um, single orders or any arrangements that we need a long vase life for. So good question. I don't know if it would if you were not in an enclosed spot, but for sure those vegetables and fruits are gonna give off ethylene. So never good to sort of have those together. But like I said, we're using those mostly for special event work where vase life doesn't really matter. They just have to look nice for a day or two and um, and we go from there. Okay, um, do we use veggies in arrangements? I mean, like I said, only for special events. Like we do a lot of work with McCormick, um, which is an international spice company that's located here in Baltimore and they always want vegetables and edibles in their arrangements. Um, we do use like cherry tomatoes sometimes like on the vine in arrangements, like more regularly, but mostly we're using herbs. Um, like we use a lot of herbs in our arrangements, rosemary, basil, sage, scented geranium, things like that. Uh, favorite grasses to work with. I'm not like a huge grass fan. I'm not going to, not going to lie. Um, there is like a, a pinky purple grass that's like like Frosted Explosion we like, um, but our style is not necessarily like a grassy style. Um, lots of florists do use like more grasses than we do. So I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, what are your expectations in terms of delivery? Specifically, do you expect a farmer within a certain window? Can you speak to delivery pricing? Okay, good question. Um, yes. We always schedule, if, if we have a staff person waiting for a farmer, we always schedule within a window. And usually that window is about a 30 minute window. More than that, it's really um, like me paying a designer sometimes to sit and wait for a grower. So 30 minute window I think is reasonable. More than that I think is not as reasonable. Um, and just like anything else, if you're gonna be late, um, or you're going to be early, you know, call, communicate well with the, with the florist, letting them know what the situation is. Um, but this is like a really, I would say for us, this is a, has become uh, a really important issue because we do often have people waiting for growers. And sometimes because we're not a retail shop, we're not always open. So I might be sending somebody myself or one of our designers to the shop to wait for a grower. So, you know, any, any more than a 30 minute window is really cost prohibitive for us. Um, delivery pricing, we have everywhere from zero to $50 um, for our deliveries. $50 is from people coming from um, over three hours away from the Eastern shore of Maryland. So that is really an extreme for us. We would not be paying $50 on the norm. Um, I would say normally between like 10 and $25 is, you know, 25 is on the high end, 15 is probably on the low, 10 to 15 is on the low end. 
Um, somewhere in between that is what we pay. Um, and again, this is also becoming more of an issue for us because we buy from a lot of growers and everybody has a delivery fee and those delivery fees add up. We were having at one point um, delivery fees for the week of like $250 and we really had to just slash that and start um, ordering from less growers as a result. So growers have to have a delivery fee. I understand that. We want you to you know, be paid for your work. Um, but I think try to figure out like what's reasonable what can make you whole and what can help the florist. Can you talk about pricing so that we don't undercut other farmers? I think you just really have to do your research on like what the market, what, what the prices are in your market. And like I said, that could be getting on a wholesale list, getting on other farmers availability lists, um, but also just having confidence in your product. Don't undercut because you are new or you don't feel confident in your pricing. Um, do your homework and then figure out where you want to be in the market. If you want to be on the low end, um, you can. I don't think that's a sustainable place to be. I don't think that long term you can be undercutting folks. So, you know, try to be somewhere in the middle, um, somewhere in the middle of the market. Uh, how can I arrange my flowers in a vase to look beautiful? Keep practicing. There's a ton of online resources now. I think the best online design course is through um, the Floral Coach. Uh, she really is a great designer. She has an online course. Um, but just keep practicing. Um, you know, get a bouquet, arrange it, arrange it in a different vase. Take it out, take it apart, arrange it in a different vase. Keep practicing. What do you find you can never have enough of, flowers or foliage? It just really depends. Foliage, you know, we, Maya from Hill and Homestead and I just did a talk for the ASCFG the other night and we, all, we said, you know, no grower can ever have enough foliage. Florists always need foliage. Um, so I would say, you know, more foliage, the better. More different varieties, more unique varieties. Um, florists love foliage. Um, I'm a new flower farmer. Is it best to take a bucket of flowers I have to the florist and see what they like? Still trying to figure out pricing. Uh, great question. Again, try my short course, Preparing to Sell to Florist, because we talk all about the approach. So, you know, cold calling is not necessarily a great option for a busy florist shop. Best to introduce yourself first, maybe by email, and then set up an appointment to bring a bucket of flowers by, um, and then follow up with an availability list. Uh, so that would be my best, my best suggestion. Um, again, for suggestions for approaching local florists, check out the class. We do a deep dive into how to approach a florist. Um, because again, florists are super busy and it's really important to do your homework so you know when their busy time is. Try to approach them during their slow time. The busy time for us, spring and fall, is like the slow time for florists to do weddings and events in like resort towns. Like my friend Julio, who owns the flower hat, he's really busy in the summer and the winter because he's in a resort town. Um, so first figuring out when are your florists have time to actually talk to you and answer questions and look at samples. Um, so that I think is, is do your homework first. Let's see. On your recent Ask an Expert, it was mentioned that sturdy stems at the beginning of the season should not be the same amount as shorter ones later in the season. What's a good price difference? Okay, so what we were talking about on the Ask the Expert was the idea of not, first of all, not changing your pricing throughout the season 
unless you have a really good reason to. Because if you start selling to a florist, uh, say, uh, scented geranium for $1.10 a stem in June, and then in September you change the price to $1.75 a stem, um, a, a florist is going to be planning their budgets based on your prices. And so changing prices mid-season is always like a challenge for a florist. Unless you have a very good reason to change it and you communicate that change to the florist. Um, if you're reducing price, that's not such a big deal, honestly, if somebody is reducing their price. But if you're raising your price, um, that's, I think, where you where you have a challenge. So, I mean, one thing is, is it a dime, is it a quarter? Just really think about the value in the product that you're giving. And the suggestion or the example that I used in the Ask the Expert is say you are selling, you know, a 24 inch long stem of celosia in July. And that is a big head, strong stem, no real side shoots. And then by October, the stem that you have has had the main stem cut out and you're basically selling a single stem that has like a bunch of little side shoots on it. Maybe that's fine for the florist, but the florist again has gotten used to a certain quality of product. So if you're changing the quality of product, then you have to really look at the price. So you may say it's $1.25 in the peak season, and then when it's shorter and it's really just side shoots, it's a dollar. And communicate that to the florist. Let them know there is a different quality product that I'm providing you than what I had given you before, and I'm charging a little bit less for it. The only reason really increasing is like if you, like we have a grower who grows dahlias all season, and then once frost hits, she starts heating her greenhouse and providing the same dahlias, but from a heated greenhouse. The price increases at that point. And she communicates that to all of her florists to say, once frost hits, we have to start heating the greenhouse. And now the price for dahlias goes up a dollar a stem. So that I can understand the difference in the inputs and I can decide if I want to buy from her at that new price. What's the most requested used flower? We source all of our stuff locally, so our flowers change every week. Um, I would say fan favorites are, you know, tulips, ranunculus, peonies, dahlias. Those are always uh, heirloom mums. Those are always uh, hot flowers and tuberose, but hardly anybody grows tuberose anymore. How to keep hydrangeas alive in water. We really don't use hydrangeas. They are really finicky. Um, one thing to know is that they take up water through their petals. So you can actually take a hydrangea stem, turn it upside down and dump it, stick it in a bucket of water and it will rehydrate. But because they are so finicky, we rarely use them in single order arrangements and we never use them out of water. Um, my double tulips are on the short side. I sell these to floors. Any advice on pricing these? I don't have a price, um, but I would say be clear have clear communication with your florist what the length is so that they can decide if that length works for them. Sometimes florists can use, especially wedding florists, can use short stems, but if you um, if you don't tell them, they're not gonna be able to make a good decision. What florist colors are trending right now? Uh, again, it depends on if you're talking about for weddings, for single orders, our weddings are, you know, Pretty colorful, I would say, just again in the pinks, corals, um, oranges, yellows, um, colors like that. 
What are your top five most used flowers? Again, it really depends on the season. Like today, it is uh, ranunculus, tulips, freesia, anemones, and maybe snapdragons. But in a couple weeks, that will change. So for us, we are different than traditional florists who source from a wholesaler. We just use whatever is locally available. So a, a, a conventional florist may have a different answer to that. Uh, top foliage. Uh, let's see, starting in the spring, sol variegated Solomon seal. That's my favorite spring foliage. Not the plain green, but the variegated green. Um, Bupleurum, which is not really a foliage, I don't think. I think technically it's a flower, but we love using it for foliage. Uh, scented geranium, eucalyptus, dusty miller, nine bark, smoke bush. We use a lot of rosemary. I think those are, I would say, my top. What makes for a good checkout experience? Do you, do you prefer an invoice or pay, paying right then? For sure, for us, an invoice is easier. We actually have stopped, for the most part, paying when people arrive because the person who is in charge of paying is not always on site when the flowers are delivered. And so um, it's easier for us to track and it's easier for us to, to pay online or to pay with an invoice. So um, I think you have to figure out what works for you. If you have a system where somebody can pay online, that's probably easier. And then see, you know, again, you want to make it easy for the customer. So most florists are not paying a wholesaler, like on delivery. Most of them have either an account, they pay with a credit card, or they're emailed an invoice where they pay online. Pricing stems. Somebody said they just joined in. First step, check out my online class, Preparing to Sell to Florists. It's, a, um, it's an evergreen class, which means you can buy it anytime. You could buy it today. It costs 50 bucks. And we do a deep dive into uh, pricing for florists. Otherwise, the ASCFG has a pricing list and Boston Terminal Market has a, has a list. Um, before we go, I'll just tell you that um, we have started uh, a weekly email. I've started sending out a weekly email to our email subscribers. This is an email that is full of flower content. You can learn more about me, about our business, about the flowers we're using, about the farmers. Um, there's gonna be all kinds of fun content in there. If you'd like to sign up, you can go to our website, which is www.locoflow.com. You can sign up there, or you can send me a direct message and I'll um, get you on the list. Let's see. When buying from farmers, are you expecting to only pay wholesale prices? Absolutely, yes. We are not paying retail prices. No florist is gonna buy at a retail price from a farmer. Um, we are not the end user. We have to mark up the flowers for an end user. So um, if we were buying retail and then we had to mark it up, a standard stem markup for a florist is three times a markup. So yeah, we can't, we can't pay retail prices. We are definitely buying um, wholesale prices. What's the most expensive stem you buy and what was it? Uh, we get cut, oh my God, orchids, sorry. We get cut orchids from a grower in Montgomery County and they are a dollar a bloom. So one stem has about 15, 10 to 15 blooms on it. So we buy it for 10 to $15 a stem. Um, that is clearly the most expensive stem we buy. And we only get them like two weeks of the year. So it's not something we're buying all the time, but it is very special for our growers. What tips would you give to a beginner florist? Um, 
practice, practice, practice. Have your hands on flowers as much as you can. The more you understand how flowers work in arrangements, how stems work, how open blooms work, how open blooms face, um, just the more you practice, the better. Um, you could take a class online. There is tons of free content for design out there. Um, I would say check that out, but definitely practice. Somebody's asking if local flowers are more expensive than wholesale flowers. Um, yes, I mean, for sure. I don't buy from a wholesaler, so I can't tell you exactly um, what that price difference is, but for the most part, local flowers are gonna be more expensive than traditional commodity flowers that are shipped in from, from out of the country. Thank you all for being here. Uh, a few final thanks to Lisa for inviting me on. If you are interested in learning more about my online class, Preparing to Sell to Florists, you can check on the Gardener's Workshop under online classes. That class is available today. I think it's um, a really great resource. So check that out. And again, if you're interested in getting on our email list, you can DM me at Local Color Flowers on Instagram, or you can go to our website, www.locoflow.com, and we will get you on the list. All right, I hope to be back. I hope Lisa invites me back to answer more questions. Uh, hope everybody uh, stays warm. It's freezing here today and has a great day. Thanks everyone. Okay, welcome back. I hope you found some useful tips there. So I've included some links in the show notes to topics that were mentioned, including a link to the page on our website where you can check out Ellen's on-demand mini workshop called Preparing to Sell to Florists. I also included a link to the Gardener's Workshop Instagram account where these live Q&As take place every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. These Q&As are normally hosted by Lisa Mason Ziegler, but we do have guest hosts such as this one periodically as well, and I encourage you to check it out. If you like what you're hearing here on the Field and Garden podcast, we'd love it if you'd tell a friend about us and leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Jesse from the Gardener's Workshop, and I hope you have a great day.